We are back yet again. We apologize for missing last week due to a series of unfortunate events. And starting us off, Josh Allen and his people on the verge of signing a long-term contract with the Buffalo Bills. And really, the only person who has been in a comparable situation recently is Patrick Mahomes and his massive contract. The only difference is, Allen has given off strong indications that he will throw the Bills a bone and sign a fairly team-friendly deal to allow the Bills to build a competent roster around him. Now this really shows the maturity of Josh Allen and the lessons he has learned from playing in the AFC. Because after getting tortured by the Patriots and Tom Brady for two years, Josh Allen realized that Tom Brady and the Patriots routinely had the best teams because Brady, despite being the best quarterback in football for a very long period of time, never signed the biggest contract. If Allen does a similar thing to Brady, mixed with the Patriots' length of the contract, the Bills are going to be very good for a very long period of time. He will save the money at the most expensive position. On the other hand, I do have to critique the Patriots' contract because while in the long term, five years from now, it will be a team-friendly deal if the market keeps going up. For the next few years, it is not going to be good because COVID hit the salary cap hard. It went down. And because of that, Patrick Holmes, for the foreseeable future, after his teammates ran out of contracts, next two, three years after that, with no Tyree Kill, no Travis Kelsey, or at least them on a significant discount, which is unlikely considering their talent, he could find himself in the unlucky position of being Drew Brees on the Saints, the biggest contracts in the NFL, and going 7-9 every year. Holmes is an elite-level talent, but if Drew Brees couldn't do it, do we really think Mahomes can? At the end of the day, I don't. All this doesn't even really matter because we soon find out when free agency comes around that salary cap is fake. It's a figment of our imagination. We have the Titans who had no salary cap somehow trading for Julio Jones, who has a twenty million dollar cap hit. And I think when we see these reports of Josh Allen reportedly negotiating a team friendly deal, it doesn't mean that he's going to have a low average annual salary. It is going to be something like Mahomes' deal, where it's over. 10 years the numbers are weird year to year probably a certain opt-out after a certain number of years and it's probably going to be structured in a way where they're going to be continuously going to be able to restructure again to sign free agents i think we're going to see a very large guarantee i don't think he's probably going to go for the mahomes type 10-year deal where i think his deal will wind up we just saw dak prescott land a 40 million dollar a year deal on average annual salary and i think at the bare minimum it is at that value there is no way Josh Allen is going to accept being paid less than Dak Prescott who hasn't made it to a championship game Josh Allen has just in his best year in the NFL his third season he's 100% going to be the second highest paid quarterback in the NFL and he'll be the second highest paid quarterback because he'll also be acknowledging that he's not as good as Patrick Mahomes well he is he's in the conversation being as good as Patrick Mahomes his development times looking a little bit different than Mahomes but everyone develops different I could see him signing the 40 million range, but a lot of that's going to mean Zim's like, oh, I win the Super Bowl, I get an extra 5 million or so on and so forth. I can see this contract being loaded with incentives. Guaranteed money per year, not going to be as high in my opinion. Could be close to 30 million maybe and have the intent to talk. Because hey, he's going to live up to quite a few of those Sims. He will get himself some MVPs and he'll probably get himself a Super Bowl at some point. Grant plays for the Bills, cursed franchise, one of the most cursed in all sports. So that's always a question. I think if he signs a team for deal he can do with what Brady and the Patriots did for a long period of time and run the league while having an elite quarterback and an elite team around him, which is a hard thing to do these days. It's going to be him and Patrick Mahomes for the foreseeable future as far as quarterbacks battling out in the AFC. Or maybe Justin Herbert, you know, a little bit in the AFC. 
Shut up. Herbert ain't making it to any AFC Championship games anytime soon. Are we going back to the Herbert slander of the pre-draft? All I'm saying (laughs) is he put up the exact same numbers as Big Ben, basically. Everyone's saying Big Ben's washed. You tell me what that means for Justin Herbert. Moving on. (laughs) Let's keep slandering people. Moving on, the top three offenses in the NFL. At number three, I this is my shot in the dark. I do not feel as strongly about them as I do my top two offenses in the NFL. I have the Rams. With Matthew Stafford, they added one of the biggest arms in Sean McVay's offense. He no longer has to deal with noodle arm golf, who can't fit balls into tight windows paws like Matthew Stafford can. They have Robert Woods. They have Cooper Cup. Extremely dynamic playmakers, especially when paired together and an underrated free agency signing that I think they had is Deshaun Jackson because there is really zero pressure on him a legitimate threat he's going to be the third wide receiver he's going to be the fourth option with Cam Makers coming out of the backfield and with Matthew Stafford's arm and his elite speed down the field as a deep threat I think it's going to be something that could really add something to that Rams offense and I just mentioned Cam Makers he was stuck at in a three running back rotation last year and now he is the main guy in the offense. So I think it is very likely he gets a thousand yard season and I think it's even possibly gets a 1200 to 1400 yard season. It all depends on how McVay decides to run things. He may wind up passing it more because now he's got this new toy with uh, Matthew Stafford, but it's going to be interesting to see where they land at. I don't feel as strongly about them kind of throwing their hat in the ring for this one, but I think they're going at the bare minimum going to be a top seven offense next year at the bare minimum. I mean, we're stretching things a little bit, aren't we? I mean, Deshaun Jackson, top five deep threat all time, certainly. But come on now. Like, he is not going to make that much of a difference. He had, what, 230 yards last season, 14 catches. He's not going to be that much of a playmaker. And what you're neglecting is that offensive line is not getting any better. That is a position which I think has been hit the hardest by the Rams going out and signing everyone like Aaron Donald, Jam Ramsey, and now Matthew Stafford's big contract. And Cooper Cup's contract. Give these giant contracts out slowly, but surely the offensive line's quality slips and slips. That's going to eliminate one aspect of your game entirely, almost. They're not going to have that good of a run game, even if they have amazing pressure in the passing attack. So I just can't see them being top three, even really top five, unless something changes up front. But my third best team, I got the reigning Super Bowl champions, the Buccaneers. And this is really self-explanatory. I just say three or four people's names and be a good enough argument. They've got the elite receivers. They've got the developing and young O-line. They've got the best quarterback ever, and they've got playoff Lenny in the backfield. This team's going to put up big numbers. What's scary is their defense is almost as good, but this is one of the best-built teams in the NFL and starts and ends with their offense. You know, I don't know how big a numbers the Buccaneers are going to put up because I don't think they're going to have to have their foot on the pedal the entire year when it comes to putting up those numbers. You mentioned they're so talented in offense. I guess if we're ranking on talent, they're definitely top five. They'd probably be in my top five. But as far as numbers go, I don't. they may not be putting up the craziest numbers because they're probably in one of the bottom three divisions in the NFL at this point. It's kind of, we're going to have to see where the Saints and Panthers land in that discussion. I think we both probably agree that the Falcons aren't very good at all. So they may, you know, especially towards the end of the season when they're 13 and 0, they kind of may step off things, but I guess this is just... Well, Tristan, if they're 13 and 0, they've probably had a pretty good offense. And you saying they have a bad division they also have doesn't a very really good defense. make much sense because they get to play at least two and probably three bad defenses, depending on how you view the Panthers and the Saints. The Saints got hit 
hard by the salary cap. That is true. And like I said, I'd probably have him in the top five. At number two, there's been a lot of discussion about this in the media with the news that just happened. They made themselves a top three offense simply by trading for Julio Jones. When you have the best receiver in the NFL, yes, Julio is still the best at 32. Another top 10 receiver in A.J. Brown, a 2,000-yard rusher, the best runner of the football since Adrian Peterson. You are going to be a special offense. They were second in the NFL last year in total yards, and now they add Julio Jones to that. Did they lose Jonu Smith? Yes, but they do have Anthony Fer- I think it's Anthony Ferkser. I know his last name is Ferkser, replacing Jonu, and he can be serviceable as a clear fourth option behind the play-action game. He's never going to be double-teamed. A blind man could predict how good this offense is going to be. There really isn't much else to say. You got Derrick Henry, A.J. Brown, Julio Jones, and Tannehill is good enough back there, top 12 quarterback, to sling the rock around to those receivers and hand the ball off to Derrick Henry. I don't know, but I'm up there too. I mean, no one has sung the praises of Derrick Henry louder than me. I'm the one who gave you that little Adrian Peterson comparison. But top three, top two, I don't know about that. As much as I love them, there's only so much you can do with a run-centric offense in the modern NFL. They're going to win games and dominate clock but when it comes down to it i don't know if you can get in a gunfight with ryan tanhill as your gunslinger so that's gonna hold him back i think you really need to have a good quarterback to be on this list and speaking of good quarterbacks my number two team is patrick mahomes and the kansas City chiefs offense now most people might expect me to put this team as one i can get that i really can but last year's super bowl really highlighted something for me the chiefs offensive line particularly their tackles even with the signing of orlando brown who's had some injury issues and is switching sides of the offensive line from the left side to the right side I don't know if they're going to be able to give Patrick Mahomes the time he needs to really sit back and pick apart teams like he did last year now I know they've got the weapons they've got Tyree Kill they've got Travis Kelsey they've got all of them and they've got Clyde Eversley Lair but I just don't have enough faith in the offensive line. It's really, it was the same thing I was saying about Tristan's pick of the Rams. Like, they're going to be one of the best offenses in the NFL. This is by no means a critique of them, but I just can't see them giving Mahomes the time he needs, and the run game being enough of a factor to alleviate that much pressure in the passing game. I don't see, uh, this is my number one offense in the NFL. I don't see how you're going to criticize them for their offensive line when they did nothing but address that issue in the offseason. They're not like the Giants who just get rid of their best offensive lineman. They went out and traded for Orlando Brown, protecting Mahomes' blindside. They signed Joe Tooney, one of the best guards in the NFL, and then they have Loren Duvernay-Tardif he's going to be back from saving people from COVID and they have Kyle Long waiting in the wings. Hopefully he's able to recover from that, that injury here. That injury, his, that injury he sustained during practice. How many injuries did he sustain, Tristan? <laughs> <laughs> when you have Patrick Mahomes, even at 80% health, he's going to put up special numbers. He's going to make special plays. In the Super Bowl, with his toe, his foot injury, he made some of the craziest throws that we've ever seen, running around the whole entire Bucks defense, then throwing the ball 40 yards to the end zone, and it hit off Tyreek Hill's face mask, for example. He has the exact same offensive weapons to throw to. He did lose Sammy Watkins, but he was the third option. In my, in my opinion, that's a shoulder shrug. Tyreek Kill and Travis Kelsey 
are a dynamic duo with Tyreek Hill's speed, Kelsey's ability to run routes and box out linebackers or corners, whoever they throw on him. Nicole Hardman and Demarcus Robinson, I think, are going to be able to step up. Clyde Edwards, Elair out of the backfield. Hopefully, he's able to make some progress in year two. I think they have all the pieces to be the best offense in the NFL once again. Well, you have a number one. I know she didn't have my number one offense on your list, which I'm not surprised by. And I'm going to sound biased this podcast, which I don't care because I am biased. But my number one offense is the Buffalo Bills. And... Let's just go position by position here and compare them to the Chiefs. Obviously, I think Patrick Holmes is a better quarterback, at least right now, than Josh. And I think that will be the case this next year. But it's not that huge of a disparity. Allen was also up there in that MVP conversation. He was also throwing well over 4,000 yards. He's also a threat on the ground. He's even bigger of a threat on the ground than Mahomes, I'd say. At running back, you've got Devin Singletary and Zach Moss. You've got Clyde edwards Lair and the Chiefs, who after a hot start kind of petered off. I've got some concerns. They also have bad burrito. Eh, I'm not really worried about the third option at running back. I'm just talking about the top two guys. It's hard to work three running backs into your system unless you're the 49ers in the modern NFL. Moving on, I think they've got the advantage there, particularly due to their offensive line, particularly the running game superiority. But number one wide receiver, Stephon Diggs, clearly better than Tyree Kill. That's super I mean, those balls bounce off his face. Stephon Diggs does not drop balls like that. He's one of the best wideouts in the league, and he has some of the best hands in the league. Then you've got the newly acquired Emmanuel Sanders, a number one option on most teams, better than any one the Chiefs have besides Tyree Kill. Then you've got Cole Beasley, the man who playing nothing but slot receiver, had over 900 yards last year. That's better than any wide receiver the Chiefs have besides Hill. Then, the fourth option, you've got Gabriel Davis, who as a rookie put up an impressive 600 yards and 7 touchdowns while being the third or fourth option on that Bills offense. He's going to see a bigger role. He's better than anyone on the Chiefs in terms of wide receivers besides Tyreek Hill. Tight end, no argument there. Travis Kelsey, an elite tight end, one of the best pass catching tight ends ever better than Dawson Knox better than Jacob Holstetter knock and argue by a by a country by a mile that is <laughs> the thing you want to argue the tight end superiority if you want to say the Chiefs are a better offense but I feel like the Bills offensive line they've got more cohesion it's the same group and the guys who have been there have been gradually improving they don't have any old names they've got guys who are from the 2017-2016 draft class guys who are just now coming into their primes they've got guys like John Feliciano. They've got Cody Ford. They got Dare Williams. They got Deion Dawkins, one of the most underrated tackles protecting Josh Allen's blindside. I think the Bills have a pretty clearly better offensive line, both due to cohesion and due to prime and age. And a lot less likely to get injured, if we're being honest. Don't wish injuries on anyone, but that Chiefs offensive line has had some issues in the past. Well, I think the Bills' offense is going to be very good. I think it's very generous to call Emmanuel Sanders a number one option on most teams. I can't think of one team he would be the number one receiver on. the number one on the Giants. No, he yes, wouldn't. Yes, he would. <laughs> no, what he world wouldn't. are you living in? Please tell what me you're being sarcastic. What world are you living in where you don't think Emmanuel Sanders is <laughs> better than anyone on the Giants who's a wide receiver? <laughs> what planet are you on? That's hilarious. That's that's more of a homer take than me saying the Bills are the best option. Where are you going to tell me Kenny Galloway Bro, Jr. is going to be better than Emmanuel Sanders? You're out of your fucking mind. You're lying, right? You... You're nuts. <laughs> 
can't you really think you. Kenny Galladay is going to be better than fucking Emmanuel Sanders when he's got Daniel Jones around him? You're hilarious. That is a fucking homer opinion. What, Sterling Shepard going to be better than him next? Are you going to tell me the greatness of Sterling Shepard now? Or we want to bring up Evan? No, you're out of your mind. Listen, Kadarius Tony's going to be better than him. You're fucking... Uh, no Emmanuel comment, Sanders no. is... I Except the, Lion, the Lions are the only team that where Emmanuel Sanders would clearly be the best receiver on the team and be a savior to a franchise when it comes to receiver. That and him, the that's uh, Raiders. Raiders are in our team. Raiders just don't have wide receivers. Why are you going to tell me about how yeah, good that's probably true. is? I mean, he'd probably be a comp or they would complement each other. He's more of a very good second option in my opinion. And when it comes to Gabriel Davis being better than McCole Hardman and Demarcus Robinson, I... I just don't think that's true. If anything, they're probably the same. But we don't need to dwell on this too long. I think the Bills are obviously a very good offense. They'll be somewhere in the top five to seven, especially with Josh Allen. And for the purpose of this list and this conversation, I just don't have them in my top three. Now, top three defenses. In a video with the top three offenses, you're getting a discussion about the top three defenses. You really should be grateful. (laughs) coming in at number three i know they were the best defense in the nfl last year and they have the best defensive player in the nfl in aaron donald and the best cornerback in the nfl in jalen ramsey they are going to be a very good defense as long as those two players are on the field that being said isaiah any defense is going to take a slight step back when they lose their starting safety in john johnson who was very solid last year they lose their starting slot corner in troy hill and they lose one of their starting defensive linemen in michael brockers they're going to be taking a step back now they still have aaron donald the best defensive player in the nfl they still have jalen ramsey obviously but if one of those two get hurt or if they're hampered at any point in the season they could be in some trouble now i'm not using that i'm not using injury to justify why i have them at three i'm using the players that they lost to have them at three instead of one so don't convolute that in whatever you're going to say next and they're also in the hardest division in the nfl so that may affect some of the defensive numbers they wind up putting up still going to be one of the best defenses i just don't think they're going to be the best next season now, i think defensive numbers much more than offensive numbers are dependent on the opposite side of the ball like you could be the best defense in football but your offense go three and out every time and statistically you're not going to look too good because you're on the field for 40 plus minutes but i got the uh browns at number three and they've got the best pass rusher in football on the outside the man who is willing to do everything he can to bring down opposing quarterbacks including bludging them in the head with their own helmets. Yes, I'm going to keep bringing that up. That's hilarious. Got a very meaningful secondary. They've got Denzel Ward. They got Grant Delpit, and they've got Greedy Williams. I think they're a little bit underrated. They're one of the most talented units in all of football. And really, I put them a lot higher on my list, but the Browns are the Browns. So at the end of the day, I think they're going to screw something up because I'm remembering back to when they had the best offense in football last year after they made all these moves, after they got the Odell Beckhams of the world to join their team. And really, I think they're going to be worse than they should be, but the Browns, particularly the Jadavian Klein acquisition, are going to be a really good defense, the best in the division by a decent margin this next season better by far by a country mile the Steelers suck and they don't suck they're just not as good as the Browns you can have an argument with the Ravens yeah I mean I I probably I have the Browns up there as well somewhere they almost kind of slipped my mind but these top three I do feel very strongly about now 
Coming in at number two for me, it's it seems like to me, because Cam Newton struggled so much passing the ball last year, and the receivers couldn't get separation, and the offense in general was just pathetic, and the Patriots still have one of the best defenses in the NFL. People are forgetting this. They were still top 10 as a scoring defense last year. The offense was constantly putting them back out on the field, so they fell out of the top 10 in yards given up, and they now have the centerpiece of their defense back in Donta Hightower. They added a pass rusher in Matthew Judon. As long as Stefan Gilmore gets his contract situation figured out, they have a top 10 corner. Many probably still have Stefan Gilmore as the best corner in the league. And speaking of corners, they have JC Jackson, who's a young breakout star last season. The Patriots did not lose any personnel. They were still a very good defense last year with a terrible offense. The young players on that defense are only going to get better. Kyle Duggar and JC Jackson, they're going to develop. I think offenses are going to have a really tough time moving the ball against the Patriots and I think they are going to be a very good defense next season that people overlooked People overlooked last year because of how bad the offense was. Well, the opt-outs being back is nice, and I agree that the Patriots are going to stop teams from moving the ball, but I don't think they'll be that good. They'll be good, honestly, and the Patriots games in general are going to be miserable to watch of how slow-paced their offense is going to be and how uh, slow-paced their defense is going to make other offenses. It's really not going to be entertaining games for casual fans, but number two, and I'll blame you for getting this wrong by one spot. No one's perfect, but I've got the Rams in number two and the Rams are just a team like the Buccaneers offense in a way where I could just name five different stars and you think it'd be a good argument they've got the best player in football I don't need to put defensive in front of that Aaron Donald's the best player in football and they've got one of the best cornerbacks but I'm not going to focus on those two. I'm going to focus on the fact they went out they got Leonard Floyd they've got guys like Jordan Fuller and Darius Williams in their secondary who I think are very underrated they got Kenny Young they got Justin Hollins their linebacking and secondary are really underrated they are eclipsed by the star power that defense has but it's all around very well been you they got sean mcveigh leading the team i have absolute faith the rams will be one of the best defenses in the nfl they are going to repeal they did last year only this time leonard floyd played for the rams last year you know, the more I think about it, the more I kind of realize Leonard Floyd was, in fact, on the Rams last year as most productive season as an NFL starter. But still, he is a big piece. He is coverage for Aaron Donald because he is a pass rusher, and Aaron Donald covers him because he frees up more coverage because Aaron Donald demands two people. It's really a great combination. It's why you saw guys like Namak and Sue just dominate when they got next to Donald. Same boat, obviously not quite as good as Sue, but Rams truly an elite defense. I have a few pegs down just because of, I think, the pieces they lost were significant and going to hurt them a little bit heading into next season. Now, Isaiah, do you want me to talk about who we both have as the number one defense first, or would you like to take it first? Well, I have long hailed this team as one of the best defenses in football, and I would just love to say that the best name team in all of sports, the Washington football team, Chris and I have agreed, have the best defense in football. It's the combination, really. It's all aspects of the field are simply dominant. But it centers around their defensive line. Every single player on that line is young and a stud. Chase Young, going to be one of the best defensive ends in football very soon. If not, is going to be this next season. Defensive rookie of the year. Nothing else needs to be said about him. You all know how great he is. Jonathan Allen, for his standards, had a down season last year. Only two sacks, but forced a career high in pressures. Well over 30. He is a disruptive force. He makes the guys around him better. He makes quarterbacks' lives harder. Dayron Payne, the monster in the middle. The first round pick from Alabama, 320 pounds. Forcing the run game, clogs up lanes. He is one of the big reasons you cannot run on the Washington football team. And finally, you got Montez Sweat. 
Now, Monte Sweat is almost overshadowed in a way by the greatness of this offensive line, but in his second season, he had nine sacks and again, had a, an incredibly impressive number of freshers. He is a force rushing the passer and a force in the run game. There is no weakness on this defensive line. Every single one of your offensive linemen will be challenged. You can't just double team Chase Young and say, okay, that's our game plan. No. If you double team someone, other forces will come in and make up for it. And really, that's why I think this team is so good. Obviously, their secondary is good, their linebacks are good, but someone who has studied offensive and defensive line has played it at a decently high level. It's just so obvious to me that this line is why their defense is amazing. I mean, they were a top five defense last year, and you, like Isaiah just said, you take a look at their front four, their defensive line. It is spectacular from top to bottom. I don't think any front four in the rest of the NFL can really compare. But Chase Young, Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, not whatever you said. I think you said Dan. I don't even know what you said. And Montez Sweat. It is a spectacular amount of talent. Now, I don't think their linebackers are the best in the world. They're kind of eh to me. But in their secondary, they added William Jackson in the offseason. They have Landon Collins, who isn't as good as when he was on the Giants, but he's still a, a solid player. And they have Kendall Fuller manning the other cornerback position. As long as Washington's front four stays healthy, their defense will get coverage in inter- or pressure interceptions they're going to be one of the league leaders in sacks and their defense leads them to i think a minimum of seven wins in the nfc east as far as making the playoffs or winning that division they're going to only go as far as fitch tragic is able to take them thankfully fitch magic or taylor heineke will be showing up but I think Jameen Davis, or Jameen Davis, not sure he just got drafted. I'll hear his pronunciation fairly soon. He's making big plays in the NFL. But he is going to be a big factor in that linebacking core. So I think they're young like the defensive line. They're just not as heralded because they're not as flashy and don't make as big of plays. But yeah, they're the best defense in football. They're really the only thing Washington's got going for them unless Ryan Fitzpatrick can pull something out of his hat. They really should have gone out and re-signed Adrian Pearson. Instead, let him go to a divisional rival. Now, when Saquon Barkley goes down week four, they're going to have to face their former running back twice, and AP's going to tear him Wait, up. Wait, did he officially sign with the Giants? Yeah, uh, that's all rumors and speculation, but I got a serious question for you, Tristan. Who is going to go sign Adrian Peterson? A lot of teams should, for the record, but who's going to do it? Anyway, that has been the podcast, I think, on the longer side. We're at like 32 minutes on our recording, at least. But that's been the podcast. If you want to listen on other platforms, that is down in the description below. Of course, if you somehow have found us on YouTube and not on TikTok, follow our TikTok. That'll be down in the description below. Like the video, leave a comment, let us know your top three offenses and your top three defenses, and we will see you in the next one.